Alex Philadelphia. It takes a lot to make him happy, and he is clearly pleased. She's up, she's moving nicely. She's got a hit. Yes! Zali Stable, 132.67, has won at least the medal. She's 0.24 up. Beauty! On the ice with a Gimlet. A Gimlet Welcome back to Off the Podium, an Olympics podcast, as we once again continue on our athlete interviews, our profiles in the lead up to Pyeongchang 2018. Very excited to bring you our first taste of cross-country skiing. This is a a sport that I'm always fascinated by every time the Winter Olympics rolls along. I, I always get fascinated by the sports that we just do not get at all in Australia. And, uh, of course, you've probably heard us talk a lot about over these uh, episodes the focus on some of the sports we get in Australia, obviously. Uh, freestyle skiing is very big, snowboarding, uh, you know, speed skating, a lot of these sports that Australia generally has a success in. But this is definitely a sport which uh, barely even gets a mention. Even during our Winter Olympics coverage, it's kind of they'll show highlights sort of in the, the end-of-day packages and if you're watching sort of, you know, loose highlights in the middle of the night and they're, they're showing kind of random sports, they might show a little bit of cross-country skiing here or there and of course update you on where the Australian athletes finish but it's it's not a sport that you will generally get full-time streaming live coverage of so it's always a sport that fascinates me and uh, our guest today on the show is Callum Watson now Callum competed in Sochi in 2014 uh, competed in four different events and uh, we talked to him uh, about those talked to him about obviously getting involved in cross-country skiing and his career and some very other interesting things that have happened through to him throughout his career including a, a very horrific injury not long after the Sochi Games which uh, really it's I won't even tell you a little bit about it now you got to listen to the interview because it was a freak accident, a very serious accident, and there was uh, a lot of implications that sort of came from this. Also, uh, a great story about Callum breaking a record at the Australian Institute of Sport set by Australia's Tour de France champion, Cadell Evans, and it's a, it's a great story. There's also talk here about his blogging and a lot of things that he sort of gets involved in outside of skiing, and, and there is a moment, I've got to say this, there's a real bro moment here, where Callum and I, we bond, we discover we have a very similar interest, which I don't often meet people with this interest, it gets me very excited, so uh, you will hear this, that's right near the end of the interview, enjoy, this is a fun chat, this is Callum Watson, 2014 Sochi Winter Olympian in the sport of cross-country skiing.
Continuing on our athlete interviews in the lead up to Pyeongchang 2018 and as you would have heard so far here on Off the Podium we've covered a variety of different winter sports where we're attempting to get at least one person on one athlete from all the sports in the lead up to the Winter Games next year and our our next athlete is from a sport that we have not covered yet that is cross country skiing and I for one am very excited for this chat because as I've often talked a lot about on this show I'm a huge fan of the Winter Olympics I'm a huge fan of just the variety of different sports that particularly here in Australia, we just do not get to see except for every four years. So to me, cross-country skiing is exciting because I never get to see it until they show it on Australian TV every four years. So today on the show, we have a Sochi Olympian. He competed back in 2014 in the sport of cross-country skiing and is still going strong in the lead-up to Pyeongchang 2018. Please welcome to the program, Callum Watson. Callum, thank you for joining us here today on the show. No worries. Thanks for having me. It's as I said, exciting. I can't talk that up enough because I, I could imagine this is something even for yourself that when, when you get talking to somebody and they say, oh, you're, you're an Olympian. Oh, fantastic. What's your sport? And you, you say cross-country skiing. That's automatically a story in itself, is it not? Particularly here in Australia because I could imagine not a lot of people in some parts of Australia know a whole lot about cross-country skiing. Yeah, well, that's that's kind of the, the main point right there. I, I mean, most people... When you mention cross-country th- skiing, they uh, just envisage you walking around on the snow, like uh, backcountry style and that sort of thing. And it is quite different. And, uh, yeah, it's, um, it's, it's good that people still have it, though, yeah. I've got to ask the obvious question, and I'm sure this is a question you've been asked plenty of times throughout your career. How on earth does an Australian get into cross-country skiing? Uh, well, I suppose I grew up in the Snowy Mountains region, and... Um, so I was doing a lot of track running and uh, cross-country running. And, uh, yeah, I suppose I did a lot of downhill skiing when I was younger. And I did do cross-country skiing uh, from a very young age too. Um, but I suppose when I gained the more competitive uh, side in me, um, I found that it was a really good sport to, to push yourself. I, I found the same feeling as I do when I run, but... I enjoy the training for it a whole lot more, so it was a it was a perfect thing for me. But um, yeah, as as you're saying, it's it's quite a hard thing for others to get into, and yeah, it's not the automatic sport to choose, that's for sure. And I guess even kind of when it comes to like just skiing in general, I, I would assume it's similar to say athletics, where you would uh, at some point in your athletics career choose to say do short distances you know middle distances or of course say like the marathon runners would then choose to do the marathon so in this case uh, rather than doing i guess the shorter sprinting distances like as you were saying like the downhill or the slalom or things like that you are i guess more of an endurance athlete so then you switch focus to the cross country because i mean cross country skiing is essentially the marathon of the winter olympics yeah well exactly and um i suppose a lot of it has to do with body type and uh yeah, I mean, as a, as a kid, I was built like a rake, and uh, I sort of had no real other option. I I kind of uh, just fell in into the endurance sports that way, and um, yeah, that's that's how it sort of goes, I guess. And what what's the cross country skiing scene like then when you were sort of getting involved? I mean, you're saying you sort of live near the uh, the Snowy Mountains, so it kind of obviously a lot of people in that region, no doubt, are, are into the winter sports. But in terms of cross country skiing at the time when you got involved on in it, was was there many other people? I mean, and still kind of I guess into that as well. Are there many people involved in the in the cross country side of things when it comes to skiing? Uh, when I first got started, I'd say it was very very minimal um it is actually growing quite a lot in the more recent years um 
particularly the inter-schools program helps out a lot in getting the Sydney schools involved. Um, it's a great way for the kids to earn more points for their schools, and as a result, uh, the schools actually put a lot into it. And, um, yeah, you, the inter-schools program itself has grown hugely since I was a kid, and um, you're getting a lot more involvement from uh, from kids that are from the cities um, doing it. When I, when I was young, it was basically only us locals doing it and um yeah now we're seeing a bit of a a bit of a change in trends with um a lot more of the national team athletes being made up of people from melbourne and sydney and so on and uh yeah that's that's predominantly due to the due to the in-schools program i believe yeah i i one thing i've actually i think i've discovered in doing a lot of these interviews and look i could be completely mistaken here and i'm not expecting you to know the answer to this question because i don't even know the answer to this question but I, I've, I've discovered from such a state, Tasmania, that we're considered, you know, the coldest state in Australia, essentially. That's what people automatically assume with us. I don't think we've ever had a Winter Olympian from our state, Callum. Uh, <laughs> and I think that needs to change. Is that right? <laughs> I'm pretty sure. I can't think of yeah, any exactly. Winter Olympian from Tasmania. <laughs> yeah, you'll have to start getting around and convincing people to get onto it, yeah. Yeah, I mean, just it just you would put two or two together and assume that. But, uh, look, I, I mean, my joke is constantly that uh, it's kind of the... Uh, the dream of mine to compete in the Olympics, and I think that's long, uh, long taken. You know, I've <laughs> long missed that boat. But look, I'm still hopeful that if I ever am to make it to the Olympics, curling has my name on it. So, <laughs> you know, I could be the first. Who knows? <laughs> well, I mean, that's the thing. It's the Winter Winter Olympics is, um, you know, it's got a lot of variety, and you know, that's that's the thing. A lot of the aerial skiers were former gymnasts, and um, you know, it's it's a kind of uh, it's kind of a good opportunity for people in Australia that um, have come from other sporting backgrounds that can fall into other sports, and um, you know the same with same with bobs- uh, bobsled. Mm. Uh, the sprinters um, from track running can actually perform very well in bobsled just because of their ability to sprint like that. So um, yeah, it's it's quite quite a cool thing yeah with with your sort of growing up and kind of involved in the sport i mean uh, obviously your sister amy too uh is is involved in the sport uh, she's also a fellow olympian was this kind of like a, a family thing like you this was born and bred into both you and amy in terms of uh skiing in general or was this kind of you were the first two to kind of take this take this on board oh uh, look i i'd say i i was following my brother and sister predominantly um Particularly, my sister was very highly motivated from a very young age, and um, I, yeah, I kind of um, didn't like getting beaten by my sister, so <laughs> I kind of had to, uh, I kind of had to start pushing it harder myself, I guess. Um, yeah, I, I, I believe that she had a, a very big impact on me when I was younger, um, and really gave me that. Uh, competitive side in me that um you know i wanted to i wanted to train hard so that i could uh you know gain success like her like she was the first of us to uh you know get on the national team and gain an ends with scholarship and things like that and um yeah i think that was that was a big thing and you know my brother too he he was uh you know being two years older um always stronger and fitter and you know i i still clearly remember the day that I beat him and <laughs> I suppose that was a, a thing that I was trying to do for a very long time and yes. <laughs> uh, yeah I think as a younger brother you've got that uh you've got that real ad- advantage in life that you can 
you can really gain from that, yeah. And, I mean, ultimately, too, I can imagine the fact that both yourself and Amy uh, make the Olympics at the same time as well. I mean, that's uh, great for yourself, great for your sister, great for your family. I mean, kind of it's all, you know, let's let's get on the plane to Russia, Watson family holiday, folks. We've got our two kids in the Olympics. <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, the, the preparation involved um, as a family, as a whole, uh, it was, you know, to, to be honest, it was so much preparation and dedication and effort went into it, not just from my sister and I, but from, you know, my mum, my dad, my brother, um, and realistically to be able to share that with my sister and be able to make it happen because, you know, it was, it was, it was a hard thing to do and, you know, it was, it was only just, we, we only just made it sort of thing. It wasn't, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't a sure thing by any means. And, um, you know, I think uh, it really just made it feel all worth it. It was, you know, th- there's a lot of sacrifices in sport, and um, you know, that's that's not just from you personally. Um, it's from everyone, everyone around you, and um, that really meant a lot to me, and I'm sure it meant a lot to my sister too. That um, you know, we were able to share that, and you know, feel the relief of making it all worth it in the end. That we we'd all put that much effort into it and um yeah it was it was fantastic it was just a as as soon as i got the news that we we both made it um yeah no other experience in life has has been like that for sure and was was that always the goal for yourself at least there callum to to make the olympics kind of as soon as you you know took up skiing was this that's it i want to be an olympian one day uh i think you know very 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 early on I, i sort of probably didn't understand what was involved so yeah i probably threw threw it out there pretty uh pretty easily that yeah yeah that'd be that'd be the thing to do sort of thing but um i think it came a bit later when i saw uh other other skiers like uh when i was when i was growing up like guys like ben sim um you know really really showed me the way in terms of what you need to do in terms of training and how committed you needed to be, and um, I I wanted to feel that. I wanted to feel that, you know, I put so much into it that I deserved to go. And um, you know, that's that's what it's always been like. To um, I I sort of am a bit addicted to to it to this day. To uh, to feel the the day to day progression of feeling like you're getting closer to a goal that you've set, and um, Injury and sickness—it's a hard time because of that. Because you feel like you're not progressing, and every every day as an athlete, you you depend on that. And um, I think once I really felt that day-to-day progression, it really became clear to me that I wanted to meet that end end goal um, of you know meeting my meeting my goals in the Olympics, not just making the Olympics, but um, meeting my goals. And uh, yeah, it's it's been a it's been a life changer ever since, yeah, absolutely. When it comes to training, kind of going back to, I guess, my loose comparison in a way to, to sort of the marathon, I mean, is training for cross-country skiing similar to how marathons runner would train or is there different elements to, I guess, um, you know, what you're doing in, say, in the gym, your aerobic work and things like that, given that you're not technically running, you're obviously on skis. I mean, can you take us through, I guess, what generally the, the training is involved when it comes to preparing for events? Oh, look, marathon runners are bloody impressive. I, you know, I ran a half marathon last year and, um, I, I did a good time, but it was, 
it was not even close to the pace that they hold for 42. And so the training that they must do to, to get in that sort of shape is, it's got to be unbelievable. Um, I think the difference is, is that we've got a lot of power involved in our sport too. So you do need to work on the strength side of things a lot too. Um, whereas in marathon running, it is, it is all about your, your turnover, your efficiency, and your, your VO2 max, and being able to hold that for such a long duration. Um, we do we do definitely have elements of that, uh, particularly in the longer events, which I focus on, but um, th- you need to have the power in there too. So um, you, you can't get by on just being uh, aerobically the fittest man there is. You've, you've, got to, you've got to have the power there, and you've got to have the technique to to put it all together too and um, that's that's the challenging thing um, a lot of technique involved in marathon running for sure but I think uh, cross-country skiing is technically one of the toughest sports to get efficient I mean yeah you can you can uh, ski and to the you know normal person it looks it looks quite quite efficient but there's a big difference between the top guys and the guys at the back of the pack for example um, it's a, a constant thing that you need to work on and something that you you need to focus on on a on a day to day basis, and um, that's that's the challenging thing to do all the hours that are required, and to also focus on getting that technique right. Is um, yeah, it's it's tough because even sure. when it comes to that too, there there are different styles, are there not? When it comes to the sport, so like classical, uh, great name of skiathlon. Uh, I mean, and then obviously like the sprint. What what are I guess the main differences between each of those events? Is it just simply the distance? Is there a different style when it comes to each of those events? No, so um, classic and skate are the two different the two different techniques. Um, and you've got the same events in each technique. So you've got sprint in both classic and and skate, and then you've got the distance events. Um, and they vary uh, depending on the Olympic cycle and the World Championship cycle. So um, they will switch it up. Uh, so fortunately for Pyeongchang, my best event, the 15K skate, is in the Pyeongchang program. So that's something that I'm really excited for. Um, but, uh, you know, that's that's the other challenging thing, that you've got two different techniques that are completely different. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's it's very tough to get both of them right. And at the moment, I've, I, uh, I'm able to get the skating technique um, to a higher standard than Classic at the moment. Classic's been a real challenge, as it, as it is to many. Um, a, a lot of people who start out, uh, do go for the classic technique, but um, it is easy to walk on skis in the classic style. But to actually ski fast, that's a that's a different ball game. It's it's very very challenging to get right. Yeah. How how would you best describe the differences between classical and skate? Like uh, I guess for for a layman's term, like someone like myself or our listeners who maybe aren't too familiar with the styles, is there an easy way of kind of describing the differences between the two? Oh, I suppose absolute layman's terms go. Go to uh, ice skating at poles, <laughs> and that's your skate technique. Mm-hmm. Uh, classic, strap some skis on and go running. That's, wow. that's essentially the, the the movement is is uh, is completely different in that way. Classic, you're using the grip on the bottom of the ski, you're using a a stick a sticky wax to to set into the snow, and you're you're pushing off that. Whereas skating, the the ski's always movement moving, and you're always 
pushing out to the side on that ski. So it's, uh, you know, there are some similarities for sure, but um, even the, the muscle groups that you use are different for each, yeah. And is it a common thing uh, sort of with the styles for athletes to compete in, in multiple events similar to what you did in, in Sochi, or are there some that really only focus on the skate and some that only really focus on the classical? Um, I'd say generally most people have their preferred technique um, and then you've, you do have people who are at the absolute top of the game who um, who are just uh, so good at both that they are, they're able to, to dominate in both. Uh, Sunbi, Colonia, you know, all those, all those top names, it, uh, it doesn't really matter. They can, they can win World Cups in both. Um, and I, I wouldn't even be able to tell you which they're better at. <laughs> um, but, uh, for, for most athletes, there will be a preferred technique. Um, and yeah, at, at this point in time, skating is the preferred technique for me. Yeah. Uh, look at uh, obviously what the great Bjorn Dali is that how you say his last name? I always I always think it's uh, something no, else it. there. But I mean, you know, it was how many gold medals did he end up winning? Something ridiculous like that. So I mean, you obviously got to see you can definitely cross between the two and kind of uh, come away with a with a bunch of medals because it really seems like a lot of the the skiing events in the Winter Olympics. Like it's one thing I'll say for the Winter Olympics compared to the Summer Olympics, there are very few events you can win multiple medals in. Whereas you know, like Michael. Phelps can walk away with a, you know, a metal hole from a small country. Uh, this, you know, selected sports yeah. at the Winter Games where you can win these multiple medals in. Well, absolutely. I suppose there's swimming is the the main one, um, as Michael Phelps demonstrated so well. But um, cross country skiing is uh, kind of similar in that in that regards for the Winter Olympics. Um, there's not too many Winter Olympic sports where there's that many medals up for grabs. Um, yeah. Biathlon. Uh, also has a lot of medals up for grabs too, and you know the other sports don't don't really have so many events. And um, yeah, it's uh, for the for the guys that are at the top of the game. It's um, yeah, that that's that's why the Olympics are such a big a big thing. Um, a lot of people pushing for medals, and um, you know that's that's why some people will just focus on the one event, or you know try and as uh, Bjorn Daly did, just try and get as many as they possibly can. But, yeah, it's it's quite unique like that, yeah. Because I remember during Sochi when I think Tora Bright, she competed in three or four different events and they were sort of talking about how that was such a big deal for somebody in snowboarding to kind of to do that given that a lot of those styles are obviously, you know, between the half pipe and, you know, the, the snowboard cross are kind of very different. Uh, whereas obviously, I guess Absolutely. when it comes to cross country skiing, I guess maybe slightly similar, but as you're going through the, the different styles there. I mean, yourself, you, you compete in four different events in Sochi, I mean that that's that's incredible to kind of see that, and ranging, of course, from you know the sprint to the thirty kilometers, and you've got the team event as well. Is this is this something that kind of going back to you know obviously your preferred events? But do you go into a lot of these events, be the Winter Olympics, the World Championships, or any other sort of World Cup events, and try to do as many as you can, or are you sort of getting to a point now where you're just focusing, say, on your preferred one? You mentioned the, the skating aspect. I mean, kind of how do you approach these now? Uh, look, I do. I do sort of uh, cut it back. Um, I, I, I won't do absolutely every event, but um, uh, for example, in in Sochi, a skate sprinting, I'm actually okay at. I can I, I can actually um, produce some reasonable skate sprint results. So I um I, I I went for those. I went for that event. And as for as for this year with the with the team sprint in the in the skate discipline as well, I will. I will go for that as well, um, given the opportunity. And uh, 
classic, unfortunately, um, unless things change this year, uh, is not something I've performed well in in sprint, so it's not something I'm going to um, put any energy towards at this point. Um, so it's it's all down to what you can perform well in, and um, yeah, you do you do cut it back, and for sure, like in uh, in other championships where time is a bit more restricted. Um, you do need to focus, but um, fortunately with the Olympics, the the events are are drawn out over a long period of time, so that you do have the opportunity to recover in between. Um, so it's uh, that that's the other advantage that we have of being able to to do a lot of events if you are able to be competitive in those events. Yeah. So take us through Sochi. Did you did you leave? satisfied with your your results your performances uh through through all four of your events did you kind of think maybe you could have done a bit better in terms of what you were going in there inspecting and i guess also the overall olympic experience too how it all was um i suppose the the event that i was very satisfied with was the skiathlon um so at that point in time that was uh that was probably a personal best for me and um that's that's what you can really ask for i guess um with the other events, no, not not entirely satisfied at all. Um, the sprint was a disaster. I, I crashed out in the qualifying, and um, with the work time being so short, you, there's no way you can uh, come back after a crash in that event. Um, and unfortunately, um, ski speed was an issue in uh, in the 15k classic. Um, the conditions were very very challenging to to wax for, and unfortunately. It uh, it didn't go the way it should have, um, <laughs> and uh, it's um that's that's the other challenging thing with cross country skiing. Um, sometimes you just don't have the skis to get yourself to be competitive, um, and it's it's uh, it happens to everyone. Uh, you know, one of the guys who's won many many World Cups and was a favourite for many events in Sochi. Um, he had the same issue in the same race, and he he pulled out because he just had no ability to perform to his potential with those skis um, and that and the wax that was on them. Um, and uh, you know, it's not it's not just uh, restricted to to um, to one nation. Like even the big nations, Norway was incredibly upset with some of their performances at the Olympics because of that very reason. Um, so. Yeah, unfortunately, that was a, a big factor in that 15k. And uh, fortunately, with skate, that's the other thing I like about it. It's uh, it's a lot harder to stuff up. Um, you can usually get competitive skis a lot easier because you don't need to rely on having the grip wax sorted. Um, so that's uh, that's the other benefit of uh, enjoying skate skating that's for sure <laughs> yeah it's, it's i mean it's just such a fascinating sport and kind of just hearing about kind of all the little you know subtle things there that you know again sort of us uh people who watch it every four years don't kind of uh get a get a hold of there does that is that come as an advantage or a disadvantage to somebody like yourself from australia in terms of you know the heavyweights that you're saying you know the norwegians the Finns, you know the swedes kind of all these nations that basically this is their life that's like you know, Australian football or cricket to us, basically. That's their, that's the national pride for them. And yet you've got a, a cross-country skier from Australia where, 
it's kind of, well, you know, who's going to sort of expect them to be a danger? Does that work to your advantage? You can kind of go into these events, you know, even outside the Olympics to say, look, I, I've got no expectations from any of the top nations or the experts here. I can go out and just show them what I'm made of and go under the radar the, the Australian way, I guess you could say. Well, yeah, I suppose that the thing is that people see Australia on the start list and don't have you – know, they, they expect it to do badly, um, let's be honest. Um and you know that's uh, you know it's 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 got its advantages because when you do perform, it comes to people's surprise. Um, you know, ideally it'd be it'd be good if people noticed um, noticed the the good results and started changing that approach and realizing that yeah, Australia is on the map for skiing and um, particularly in the other sports like freestyle skiing and that like. You, our our athletes are are up there with the best, if not the best, mm-hmm. in in some of those some of those disciplines. And um, yeah, I, I think that is gradually changing. But um, it is it is tough uh, with particularly with some some of the funding of those bigger nations. Uh, you know, you're up against you know with with waxing being such an important thing in our sport and and to many other sports. You know, you've got these uh, nations that rock up to World Cups with wax trucks worth millions of dollars and, uh, you know, massive support crews. And um, it's very hard to compete against them because they've, they've, they've just got, they've got money to burn. They'll go and test 30 different waxes uh, because they've got the manpower. They've got the, they've got the funds to do so. They've got a massive truck with, you know, all the perfect uh, setup to, to dial the skis in just the way they want them to. And um, that's the thing. Uh, when when the guys get it right, which, uh, you know, we've, we've got a really good wax crew at the moment for our national team. And, um, you know, the, the head guy, um, Randy Gibbs, he's, he was head wax technician for the US ski team for nine years. And, um, you know, it's, it's amazing that we've got him on board to uh, really, really push us forward. Yeah, I mean, we've... We're definitely restricted in our funding, but um, with some of the stuff that those guys can come up with, it's uh, you know it's 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 absolutely to their credit to to produce competitive skis against some of those guys, uh, some of those nations that are you know just got so much at their disposal. So um, there's there's challenges, but the rewards when it gets when it all comes together are absolutely amazing. When the results come through as good results, the the feeling of accomplishment is is uh, is uh, I suppose magnified just because of that, um, and that's that's something that I really thrive on. Yeah. What, what what is the key to some good wax then when it comes to cross country skiing? I mean, is there a I guess a certain type of wax that uh, favours other waxes? Is it down to I guess uh, testing it over and over and are there, you know, breakthroughs constantly in the uh, the industry of, of waxing for, for cross-country skiing? Oh, look, it's it's a real science to it. Um, I, you know, I, I do my own waxing here in Australia for the domestic season, but, um, you know, and I, you know, I like to think that I do an okay job, but I'm certainly no professional in it, and uh, there's, there's, there's just so much to it. It's all, there's just a lot of different waxes that are, for the same conditions, but some are going to run, some aren't going to run, and you need to test them all to see which are which are going to perform in that particular condition because the snow is so variable, um, and uh, that's that's one of the the tough things. And then 
you've got ski choice is another factor that you know that that's why we need to travel with so many pairs of skis um you know i've i've got a fleet of 20 skis and that's nothing you know you've got other athletes that travel with up to 60 70 pairs of skis wow. to world cups and uh, it's all it's all because of ski choice uh you've got skis set for different conditions whether it's hard soft icy fresh snow it's it it's unbelievable so um yeah it's just so many different different variables to take into account and uh that's why that's why these guys are so brilliant they they know what's just in what conditions and uh and how to how to get skis to run where whereas uh yeah like uh even for me who's been surrounded by it for a long time I wouldn't. I wouldn't have a lot of confidence in uh, in waxing for myself at a at a big event like that, just because it's, you yeah you need you need to have that experience there. Yeah, you must you must hate travelling sometimes. And if you got that amount of skis, <laughs> I could imagine going through like check in and all that sort of stuff with all of that. But sometimes be a bit of a pain in the ass. <laughs> oh, it's challenging. Yeah, I mean with. With the classic skis being, you know, 205 centimetres long as well, so you, you're getting through airports is a real battle. Um, <laughs> I, I absolutely hate travelling uh, on planes full stop. It's just an absolute nightmare. I, once you once you dump those bags and get them through without hopefully being stung for excess baggage, you're, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's a real relief, I can tell you that. <laughs> I'm never going to complain ever again if I've just got, like, one bag or something like that. It's like, oh, I'm so sick of carrying this all the time. Like, I'll think of you next time I'm travelling going, okay, this is nothing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's, um, it's, it's particularly hard when you, when you, when you are travelling by yourself and you, you've got to carry all that stuff uh, to the airport and, and all that as well. It's, it's a heavy load. And, uh, you know, to just have, that's, that's the thing though. Like you, you've got to, you can't take more than what you can carry. So you've, you've got to, you know, getting on, on and off trains and stuff. It's, it's a disaster. I can tell you that. But, uh, it's, uh, it's something that you sort of learn a fine art of, uh, on, it's not, it's not cheating the system, but it's, uh, it's certainly, Making full use of uh, being allowed to take coats and laptop bags and things like that into carry-on, carry-on luggage and uh, yeah. Well, for example, I uh, I didn't I didn't have a computer in my computer bag. I filled it full of roller ski wheels, which are actually quite heavy. And that that bag, which they never weigh, was about twelve or fourteen kilos. <laughs> wow, that's, clever. That's that's how you that's how you get the uh, get the kilos up. Yep. There you go. There you go. This is uh, the travel tips we're learning here. Uh, a couple of things that I found really interesting, sort of in preparation of this interview, um, you broke a record uh, by at the AIS by none other than our uh, Aussie champion Tour de France winner, of course, Cadell Evans. Now this is the VO2 max test. And you got a score of 89.6. Now, is this that test where you often see athletes and you're hooked up with all those tubes and you kind of look like you're in some sort of like space training or something along those lines? You're on like a bike and you're pedaling really hard. Is that the one I'm thinking of? Yeah, yeah, you've got it. Yeah, it's a, it's a pretty torturous one. Yeah, that's, that's exactly right. So, so you broke the record then by Cadell Evans, uh, 89.6. Like how, how this this obviously shows in that when it comes to your sport, the endurance factor is, is such a thing. Particularly if you're beating someone who's won the Tour de France. I mean, how does it feel to break a record like that held by Cadell Evans? Um, I suppose it it's always been a 
advantage of mine. I've always I've always had a good aerobic output, and um, yeah, when when I broke that record, it it was at a time where I, the training had gone really well. Um, I was I was feeling great, and um, yeah, I just uh, I managed to to pump out a really good reading, and um, it, it just it shows the the uh, the amount of demand that it is on your aerobic system to uh, to be competitive in cross country skiing. You um you know it's it is a very big advantage if you can if you can uh, produce a good VO two. It's not everything that's for sure. You need to. There's a lot of other factors that come into play, but um, generally cross country skiers do produce good VO twos. Just because so much of their training is highly aerobic, um, you're using, and it's the same with rowing as well. You're using such a high percentage um, of your your muscles in your body that um, it's incredibly oxygen demanding, and uh, therefore, as a result, the the training just um, elevates those results. And um, yeah, it's um, it, it came as it came as a surprise. I it was certainly a big a big jump up from my um, previous best result. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just – it's one of those things that you you know that you've got that advantage when you're out there on the on the racetrack. You know that, okay, you're, you're competitive with the with the best of the guys in that aspect, um, and that can that can really help with your confidence. And, and is this record still standing, Callum, or do you know if it's been broken since? Uh, I believe so. I, I haven't heard uh, anything – um, after that, so um, yeah, I, I believe so, but uh, I, uh, yeah, I, I may be wrong on that. Yeah, <laughs> oh, we'll take. We'll say you are. You know, that's, that's fine. Uh, <laughs> somebody yeah, can correct okay. us at the AIS <laughs> if they're listening or something along those lines. But, yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll say you got it. Uh, and also, um, not long after the the Sochi Games, you you were in a pretty horrific uh, accident too. Um, in during a race, you you had your lung pierced by a ski i believe how how does this happen and how how did the recovery go with that i mean are you recovered from that injury yeah well I, that's the ironic thing to it i guess uh in this story is that i that that uh has been my my uh real advantage point having such a good lung capacity and uh yeah what do you know i managed to somehow get in an accident where uh, a ski goes through my chest cavity and punctures my lung um mm. and causes quite a bit of damage so uh, it's it was just one of those freak accidents. I've never never heard of anything like it, and uh, I can tell you when it happened, I certainly couldn't believe it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's um, yeah, it's it's just one of those um, one of those things. We at the wrong place at the wrong time, and uh, no one's fault exactly. I just got caught up with another skier and fell in the path of the the person behind me on a pretty fast descent. And, um, yeah, that ski didn't have time to move and, uh, his ski just went straight into the side of my chest and, Ouch. uh, it, uh, it managed to, the, the tip, the tip of cross country ski is quite thin and, uh, on that particular model of ski, um, quite sharp. And, uh, yeah, I certainly felt how sharp that was. Mm. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I never believed that it could actually, cause that much damage um but yeah it's uh yeah it certainly proves that it's 
a bit more dangerous than a lot of people think, yeah. Yeah, so is that something then that takes a certain amount of time to recover and has that affected your performance since? I mean, or is this kind of one of these ones where sometimes athletes get a pretty severe injury and they somehow seem to bounce back better from their, their injury? Um, it was That was a real tough one. Um, I suppose the, the trauma involved was um, was come back from two. Uh, yeah, I suppose having having that happen in the first place is uh, traumatic enough, but uh, the experience in hospital afterwards with uh, uh, problems with uh, the chest tube and uh, quite a few lung collapses afterwards and a lot of nerve damage and pain associated with that. Um, yeah, that was, that was, that was tough. Uh, the only way that I could come back from it was to, um, go all in. And, uh, unfortunately I had a very, a very, uh, unfortunate, um, insurance dilemma that was associated with that. And, uh, that, that was the other thing that at the time, um, really crushed me because it gave it, it just made me lose faith entirely on uh, a lot of the insurance company processes that go on um worldwide and uh you know you can be you can be paying those fees uh for your whole life and then when it comes down to it you don't get looked after mm. and uh the fortunate thing was i was uh yeah i was i was in an incredible amount of debt um the you know the what i used um for for my career being my body was not yeah not not in any any shape to be competitive in any time soon and uh i was just incredibly lucky to receive amazing uh generosity from the global ski community um a massive fundra- fundraising event took place um, and uh, raised all the funds that was required to to uh, to cover that helicopter ambulance debt and the other medical fees associated with that. And um, yeah, it's it's something that uh, yeah it yeah, it still gets me a bit emotional now. I I, I still um, have that as a major driver to to continue ensuring that I um, I get to my potential and whatever that may be, just so long as I I get to my the best results that I can achieve because those people believed in me and they wanted to see me recover and bounce back and that was that was what got me got me back so quickly. I I had a lot of difficulty physically and mentally um, to get out of it, but that was that was a uh, that was a big part of it, and um, you know the the people that were around me um, all that time in the hospital. Um, you know, my girlfriend who was there every single day, my dad there every single day, and my mom and brother and sister and everyone coming to visit friends, family, and uh, I I couldn't have made it without them. Um, not not back to not back to this level. It would have uh, it would have been. Looking back, it's it's unachievable to do that. It was just such a such a such a tough time that um I relied entirely on that and something that I'll be forever grateful for. Oh, um, fantastic. And uh, it it makes me it makes me so um 
so excited to to get around to the Olympics again and to know that I have come back to a standard that's um, you know better than what it was before the accident. Um, I've done VO2 tests again, and my um, absolute readings are, are just as good, showing that my lung capacity is back to what it was, and that's that's uh, only only due to the amazing work that the surgeon did at uh, at repairing my lung using a using a pretty unique technique. But um, it's it's all come together, and it's something that I'm I'm really excited to make the most of. Fantastic. Um, this time around, for sure. Well, I'm not fantastic, obviously, with the injury, but fantastic that it's kind of come out with a happy ending. I and mean, that's obviously really good to hear the generosity and all the support that you are that you did get out of that. And, and you, we mentioned the Olympics next year. What's kind of the process now between now and Pyeongchang? I mean, are, are you qualified already, or is it just a case of you know it's it's going to happen, or what what basically happens between now and February next year? Uh, so the qualification process doesn't uh, doesn't finish until late December, and um, so it's it's uh, it's free for all all the way up until then, um, according to results and uh, how people perform in the in the qualification races and other races that um, are taken into account with the with the fist point list and uh, international rankings and things like that. So you can never really be sure. At the moment, I'm pretty. Uh, I'm pretty confident with where I'm sitting, um, and uh, yeah, I just I know that when I focus on the things that I need to focus on this year to improve to improve further, I I know that I can improve again, and I I feel confident of of where I'm heading, and uh, yeah, very very excited to to um to hopefully be able to represent australia again now in terms of i guess you're obviously back home in australia at the moment but uh is there a domestic season now given that it's just about to be winter in a, in australia uh, do you do you hit the road overseas i guess in preparation training things like that at the moment kind of what's the the short-term plan in the meantime um so i i have been uh basing myself in sweden um with the with my coach over there and um uh, so I, I was over there for most of last year, and this year uh, I, um, unfortunately, due to working visa restrictions, is uh, is uh, forcing me to spend a lot more time here in Australia. But there's this advantage of being here too, and um, I'm just uh, I'm trying to make the most of uh, what I can with the with the uh, with the service that the Australian team provides, and um, making use of the hopefully good snow conditions that we that we uh, can get in winter so um yeah it's uh it's just making the most of uh of uh the situation that you're given and um yeah so at, at this point i'll be staying until uh early september then i'll get back over to sweden as as early as i can after that and um continue working with my coach and train with uh, some other very talented athletes uh that train on that team and um yeah, really try and make sure that I'm in the best shape possible leading into this coming European winter. For sure, for sure. Now, I've got a couple other questions here before I get to these little fun ones that we'll close this out with. Um, I, I did mention to you a little bit off air my slight obsession with Nordic combined. Now, basically, this came about, Callum, during Rio last year. We talked up modern pentathlon a heap because, you know, any sport to me where you can combine multiple sports and call it one sport is awesome. 
And essentially, you know, talking up modern pentathlon as much as we did, we ended up winning a gold medal, you know, the great Chloe Esposito taking home that gold. So it kind of worked for us. So we're trying to talk yep. up Nordic combined. Yeah, absolutely. Now, obviously, you're, you're halfway there <laughs> for Nordic combined. You just got to learn how to, I guess, ski jump. Is this something that, uh, I mean, you, I think you did mention to me off air about how it's kind of something you do start off young, but is this something even in Australia's ability? Like, do we have anywhere in this country we can ski jump to start off with? No, no, absolutely, absolutely not. Um, the, the the ski jumping system is um, it, it's uh, it's such that you need to start out at a very young age on small jumps and then gradually increase to those massive jumps that they throw themselves off. And um, yeah, unfortunately, here in Australia, they they have actually built some of the smaller ones um, in in uh, in recent years, but. Um, there's just not the the culture and the um, the I suppose the background to it to um, really get athletes off the ground at this point, um, and that's that's the thing with uh, in Central Europe where it's where it's quite big. You've got you've got clubs that uh, get kids involved very very early, and I, I suppose that's the only way that you're going to uh, get people to end up feeling okay with going off some of those. Mad- jumps do it when you're young and stupid and uh then it becomes okay when you're older <laughs> have, have you ever tried it like when you've been in some of these facilities in, in europe or north america have you ever strapped on the skis and kind of you know given it a crack yeah i i did actually uh i did actually go off of a very small i think it was <laughs> it might have been seven or 11 meters or something so um and, and the the olympic level ones are 90 or 120 meters wow um so it, it was a baby one baby one but um yeah, I can tell you. I can tell you that was enough for me. Um, <laughs> and I've, I've stood at stood at the top of uh, quite a few of the big ones, and there is absolutely no way I have any urge to throw myself <laughs> off one of those things. It's just, it's ridiculous. You can't, you can't see where you're landing. It's, it's, um, it, it's absurd. Um, but yeah, all all credit to the guys that are able to do it. I mean, it's. It's it's pretty astonishing, yeah. I, I kind of feel that if we're to, to give this a real go, and I can I just mention, Australia has actually had a Nordic combined ski. I've just discovered this. How Nerdal competed in 1960 in the Nordic combined. He finished last, but he still competed. Uh, we've apparently never Is had. Is that right? A, yeah. Okay. There you go. You've learned something today too. Okay. Uh, we've apparently never competed just in ski jumping by itself. But I feel like this is kind of like that Dale Begg Smith factor that we need to get a disgruntled like Norwegian who, you know, he starts up some internet <laughs> startup business who, you know, just can't crack the team. We'll poach them uh, and we'll claim them to be our own. It worked <laughs> for Dale Begg Smith. So why can't it work for us for Nordic yeah. combined? He, help me out here, Callum. We can, you know, steal someone for us. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah, we can get some. Get a, get the word out. Get some people interested. Yeah, why not? <laughs> I, I think it can work. I mean, this is this is just such a great sport. I mean, seriously, who who one day thought I'm going to combine cross country skiing and ski jumping? Like that is just a brilliant idea. And this is the sport that I think people need to get on. Like it is like people, I guess, like biathlon in some ways similar in this aspect that it's kind of what cross country skiing, but you shoot every now and then. But this to me is better. You're ski jumping. You don't need to shoot. Like add the gun halfway down the ski jump, then you make it even more awesome. But that's another story. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. In- interesting, though. We could we could certainly we could certainly get some poaching happening. Uh, just get some get some with a, a not too 
uh, crazy name, and then it'll be <laughs> yeah, it'll be all believable, and no worries, we'll just run with it. <laughs> I, I'm I'm impressed. I want to, I, we need to track down this Hal Nadal if he's still alive. Like <laughs> our one Nordic combined athlete. Uh, according to this, he's still alive. So yeah, so he was born in 1927. Yeah, so he's okay. probably be 90 this year. So, how Nadal, if you're listening, He's if you're well. podcasting fan, then hell, shoot us a message. We'll get you on the show. Um, by biathlon, like kind of just going on that. Is that? I mean, is that? Am I being too nice to biathlon, or am I kind of get, treating it too calmly? Is, is it simply cross country skiing with shooting, or is there more to biathlon than I'm giving it credit for? Oh, look, I've I've tried biathlon before, um, and it is it, it is amazing what they do. Um, you know, I, I grew up on a farm. And I've, I've done a lot of shooting and uh, a lot of a lot of target shooting, and it's uh, it's tough to to hit targets at that distance um, with you know just a resting pulse. Uh, try and ski as you know, I, I think about it. You know, in terms of uh, what I do, if I if I ski as hard as I can for however long they go, three or five k's, and then you know just even trying to hold a gun steady. Um. I yeah, I don't know how they do it. It's it's unbelievable. Um, and it's 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 uh it's just the amount that they train for it. They uh they spend a lot of time, uh, basically training exactly that, shooting accurately with a high high pulse. So you can imagine the training hours involved in that. And um, yeah, it's uh, I I think uh I, I've got a lot of respect for what they do. And um, yeah, it's it's a very it's a fantastic sport to watch as well. You know, it's anything can happen in that sport. It's it's not all just down to who's who's the fastest, who's the fittest and strongest. It's it's down to another element as well. It adds another aspect to it, and you know that's that's fantastic. Yeah, look again, these sports that combine different elements. They've they've got their own. Unique place in my heart, Callum. So, uh, yes, I, I do like uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> biathlon as well. Uh, now, just before I get to these questions too, uh, I, I, you've got a website, which is fantastic. I, I'm just on it right now. It's uh, callumwxc.com. And uh, just sort of flicking through some stuff here, you've got a great blog here sort of detailing a lot of your travels and everything. Um, but the, my favourite part here, you've got you've got recipes on here, Callum. You're a bit of a, a chef here, are you? You can go on here and, uh, you know, cook your favourite meals. This must be – is this like a side hobby? What, what's with the food going on here oh yeah I, I suppose i you know when you when you spend a lot of time traveling and overseas and that and you know we're we're often uh you know just living in apartments and things like that and when you when you're training hard you want to eat good food and uh the only way you can do that is if you cook it so um i suppose it's uh it's all started from that really um i yeah i do have a bit of a passion of you know trying to cook good healthy meals that hopefully taste good and uh yeah that's uh i thought you know people don't always want to hear about skiing i mean skiing's <laughs> in the end pretty repetitive particularly when you're in a training block you just you know getting out there and crushing out k's every day you know it's there's not much to write about so you know if you that, that's what i figured you know i i've got a, another passion about mucking mucking around with cars and uh, it's uh that's come from my dad and his his love of historic cars and you know I've spent a lot of uh, a lot of my youth um, you know doing that with him and uh, you know that's carried on and I yeah I, I quite I quite enjoy that aspect of it too so when something goes wrong with the car it's uh, 
you know, it's it's down to working out what's wrong with it and fixing it, uh, as opposed to just forking out money that I often can't afford to <laughs> have somebody else do it. So, um, yeah, why why not write about it? And you know, if somebody else has a similar problem with a car, they can check out what I did, learn from my mistakes. <laughs> there you go. This is this is definitely it. Uh, I mean, it's kind of the, the follow your career, follow some uh, some advice here. I'm just scrolling through some of your recipes here. It's actually making me quite hungry. Uh, yogurt pancakes with lemon cream, cheese, and cinnamon apple. Sounds quite nice. Uh, pesto gnocchi. That's, that's always a favourite. Um, yeah, I've got to, I've got to get off this page, I feel. I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to start cooking these after this interview at this stage. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll link that on our page. As I said, callumwxc.com. Uh, you're also on Instagram, I see it looks here too. So, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll post all these out for people to, uh, definitely check into but cal i mentioned this to you off air and and we're going to get into this now this is a little fun bit we like to close off with again based on a canadian olympic questionnaire they put to their rio athletes ahead of the rio games last year colin our co-host over there in winnipeg he uh he asked this to the canadian athletes so we've started doing this to our aussie athletes too we thought we're going to join them in the fun so this is called i am canadian but we're going to change that to i am australian and we start off with uh, who do you think the greatest Olympian of all time is? Greatest Olympian of all time, Australian or never? Let's like let's, in terms of global. Oh, look, give us one of each. Why not? I mean, look, we can we can open that up. All right, I'll go with Ian Thorpe for Australian, and uh, yeah, look, you can't go past Michael Phelps. Mm-hmm. He's he's uh, he's yeah, he's he's the best two swimmers, which is. Uh, yeah, well, that's that's just how it goes, I guess. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Good answers. What was the first Olympics you remember watching? Two thousand. Two thousand. Uh, Sydney. My parents took me to that one. And oh, you got to go. What what, yeah, what events did that. you get to see? Uh, I saw some of the athletics and saw the field hockey. Fantastic. Um, yeah, I mean, I was pretty young, pretty young back then, but yeah, it was certainly. Certainly something I, I still remember to this day, yeah. That's awesome. I mean, look, I, I sadly never got to make it up there, but I, I mean, I definitely remember the games and kind of just everything about them around it. You know, I, I got to see the uh, the torch when it came to Hobart. That's about all I can say I saw. So, but still, you know, <laughs> I'll take it. Um, the If you could be any superhero, Callum, who would you be? Oh, geez. Now that is a tough one. Mm. Um, any superhero? Uh, oh. Look, I'd I'd probably have to say someone like Iron Man. That, that seems like a pretty cool gig. <laughs> yeah, yep, I I can see that. That that that's a good one to be. Uh, now they've got a section on this uh, question here where they say draw a picture of yourself. Now obviously we can't exactly get you to draw a picture of yourself. Uh, you can surely put it on Instagram and people can check it out. But how would you draw a picture of yourself? That's the weirdest question you're probably going to get in this interview, Callum. How would you draw a picture of yourself? <laughs> oh, jeez. Yeah, look, it just look for the distinguishable features you know <laughs> big eyebrows big nose that's probably about it right you that'll, that'll get the gist <laughs> that works that works bit of skis there why not uh fixing a car cooking some yeah, uh, yeah. you know some food there uh speaking of food they, they love their food questions here the canadians uh what is your favorite ice cream flavor uh i'd probably say yeah macadamia oh that's that's probably the best i've ever had nice yeah, that's that's a good one. Good answer. I like it. Uh, if you were a baseball player, what would your walk-up music be? If I was a what, sorry? A baseball player. I guess you could really kind of take this in any context. Like, I mean, if you're on the starting line and you've got the headphones in or you've got any sort of preparation, what's kind of that pump-up music you've got before you uh, go to compete? 
Uh, you can't really go past a bit of ACDC, I don't reckon. Mm-hmm. That gets you going. Go the Akadaka. Very Australian. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pump that in the gym. It's, uh, it's always good. Good answer. Good answer. What is the best nickname that you've ever been called? Oh, the best nickname. Hmm. Yeah. Well, the most accurate or the most... <laughs> Look, yeah, well, it's probably the both. most accurate is <laughs> is uh, is probably Cal Faf. I, yeah. I do generally tend to faff around a bit and waste some time I like here and that. there. So, yeah, that's Cal probably faff. the most accurate one. Yep, okay. All right, we'll, we'll go with that. Um, if there was a movie about your life, who do you who would you like to play you? What actor would you like to play yourself? Oh, Jesus. Um, yeah, I suppose... Uh, oh, what's his name now? He was um, he was in Eddie the Eagle. Um, oh, as in Hugh Jackman? We're talking Hugh Jackman here? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, no, he, did, he did a great job in that. That's a yeah, good movie. Good movie. Could, uh, that's, um, yeah, that, that Make works. Make me look better than I am, so, yeah. Well, look, everybody in Australia Absolutely. loves Hugh Jackman. It's, it's, he's, he's kind of, I think, the only celebrity we've got, really, that just everybody loves him. I mean, have you ever met someone who says, oh, I don't like Hugh Jackman? <laughs> no, every, everyone's, everyone's a fan. Yeah, you have to be. It's an Australian thing. Like, it's just it just comes in your nature. Yeah, yeah. You know? <laughs> be, be wrong not to be, yeah. You swear, <laughs> you drink beer, you like Hugh Jackman. That's, that's Australia. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's it. <laughs> uh, now they've also got here draw a picture of a Canadian animal. Now look, don't worry about that one. This, whoever this athlete is, they're actually quite a good artist. They've drawn a beaver. Of course you would. You're Canadian. Uh, but anyway, if you weren't an athlete, what would you be? <sighs> I always, I always wanted to race cars when I was young. So uh-huh. I'd like to think that I'd, I'd fallen into that. But um, yeah, yeah. Look, let's let's say that. <laughs> I, have, I have to ask then. I'm I'm a huge Formula One fan. Are, are you an F1 fan? Are you more like a V8 guy, or are you like a bit of both? Oh no, F1 all the way. Yeah, Good. I was I was uh, right in the Michael Schumacher era. Oh, and, you um, are my best friend. Yeah. We are just be- we just became best friends. He's my complete idol god, like in human history. So yeah. <laughs> no, my dad. My dad got his um, got his signature at the Melbourne oh. Grand Prix one year, and that. Yeah, that was a that was a pretty pretty ama- amazing experience. Yeah, look, I have, I have to tell you two quick stories here. This isn't even Olympic related, but anytime I meet somebody who likes Michael Schumacher, I've just got to tell the stories. I was um, Go for it. how old was I? I was eighteen, two thousand five Australian Grand Prix, and we found out that they were doing a Vodafone. Uh, like a promo event on St Kilda Beach, my friend and I. So we went down there, we lined up with all the fans, you know, you, you couldn't get in, but you could kind of see them, you know, they were playing against like, um, was it Natalie Cook and Kerry Pothurst, the, the Sydney gold medalists. So uh, they, they came out, you know, Schumacher and Barrichello signed a couple of autographs and he sort of was coming towards me. I'm like literally shaking. I'm so like nervous and excited. Didn't sign anything, kind of <laughs> got onto a Harley Davidson and just went off. I... I'm an 18-year-old guy here, Callum, and I, like, <laughs> broke down in tears. I was that upset. Um, but 2010, uh, I actually was lucky enough to get media access to the to the paddock I through sort of one of the shows I was doing at the time, 
and they have all the scheduling up on the wall of like, you know, this is when the drivers will appear. The only one I cared about was Michael Schumacher. So I found out that he had like a five minute window outside the Mercedes home on a Friday evening. I lined up, you know, got in this little spot that I'm in a prime position here. He walks out, goes to the left, like to where all the other people are. I'm like, ah, shit. Like, of course that's going to happen. But I just kind of like held my ground. (laughs) No, no, like this could happen. This could happen. The media person from Mercedes brought him over, stood right in front of me. I'm standing there with like a microphone going, okay, now what? Um, and I basically, oh, no I got, way. I got 30 seconds. I got 30 seconds with him. I got to interview him. I think I asked him That's two questions and that was, that was, that made my Jesus. career. So yeah, that happened. Unbelievable. Yeah. That's, <laughs> yep. yeah, you nailed it. I'll that's, have to shoot, I'll uh, have to shoot you through. Uh, you'll, you'll laugh at what I asked him, but I, I don't care. Like I got to, I got to speak <laughs> to him. So <laughs> no, <can> <laughs> there you go. Off topic. It's, this is the thing. Colin, if you're listening to this, you mock my uh, show, the qualifying lap. People love Formula One. All right. Just because you're Canadian, you don't like Formula One. Calm down. Uh, <laughs> we'll, yeah, that's right. we'll get you back to talk about Formula One at some point. Uh, what is your, your guilty pleasure snack? Guilty pleasure snack. Mm. Oh, look. Um, yeah, I'd probably say just just uh, chips, any sort of chips, mm-hmm. packet, packet chips, that is. I just uh, love it. Do you have, do you have a, like a favourite, like, you know, a type of flavour or a type of chip at all that you got a preference for? Look, there's these, there's these, twi- there's these uh, chips in Sweden, which are, oh, I don't, I don't even know what flavour they are. They're, they're, I'm pretty sure they're like sour cream and onion or something like that, but nice. they're unbelievable. They're better than any any other form of chip, and um, yeah, that's just uh, that's my go-to. Absolutely, you just you just bring back uh, cases filled with them with your you know overweight skis. Uh, that's what you're sinking that laptop bag. It's not really those wheels that you're telling about. You've just got bags full of chips coming back to Australia. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm gonna have to. Well, my girlfriend and I are gonna move back here. Um, uh, after the Olympics, and uh, yeah, we're going to have to start importing them. I think. Yeah, That's the only way. Start a business. There you go. You get Australia onto these. So yeah. There's two things you got to do now, Callan. You got to get us some Nordic combined skis and a bunch of Swedish chips. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Done. We're setting it up. Uh, what is your favourite song lyric? I always find this one a bit of a tough one to be put on the spot, unless you definitely have a lyric from a song that you always love. But uh, this, I think this needs a bit more thought process. Oh, jeez, that is a tough one, isn't it? Hmm. Um, oh, look, I don't, I don't even know. Um, probably it'd have to be something uh, something meaningful, I guess. <laughs> but, um, look, uh, yeah, the only, the only thing that comes to mind really is, uh, you know, some, something emotional. Why, let it be. Yep. Why not? Yeah, that's that's, that's the that's good. That's that's probably the biggest. That's probably the biggest one for me. Yeah, I like that. The, the person here that I'm reading, this athlete, they've written. If you want to be my lover, you got to get with my friends. Uh, so clearly a Spice Girls fan. Oh but- God! <laughs> <laughs> right, eh? Take well, that in any way you want. Let's uh, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> what What is the most recent TV show that you have binge watched? Uh, I'd probably have to say um, Breaking Bad. Uh-huh. That um that got addictive. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I I, uh, I don't normally get hooked on TV shows, but um I had to watch that. Then I had to watch um the sequel. Better Call, um, Better Call Soul. Soul. Yep, great show. Yeah, and now I've got to 
now we've got to watch the the next the next season that's coming out. So mm-hmm. looking forward to that. Well, you're on long flights. You've got excuses though, like um, you know. <laughs> yeah, time to burn. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. What is your favourite place in the world to compete in, or where is your favourite place in the world to compete in? Favourite place in the world to compete. Oh, um, I'd probably have to say. Well, it's probably changed this year. Uh, it's it's all down to the just my best best performance, really. It's, that's what's made it for me. Um, in the Goms Valley in Switzerland. Okay. Um, I mean, it's a beautiful beautiful area, but um, just because I had such a good experience there, I guess it's uh, yeah, it's made it for me. There you go. Perfect. That works. Yeah. Uh, now I don't know if you're a video gamer at all, Callum, but it's got the question here: What is your favourite video game? Oh, I haven't played video games since I was. Uh, probably twelve playing Need for Speed on PlayStation. So <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's the that's the only answer I can give. Yeah. <laughs> One of my favorite video games I remember growing up on Nintendo sixty four was I had the Nagano ninety eight Winter Olympics video game. I was so obsessed with that game. Um, so oh really? Okay. It was it was amazing. I don't think I don't think they've ever made an Olympic video game since then that I've loved as much. Like it was just something about it that I loved. So uh, that's just a random yeah, right. winter bet Olympic they, connection. Bet they didn't have. Uh, bet they didn't have cross country on that no, one. No, they didn't. <laughs> but I believe I, they did. I don't remember if it was the Salt Lake or the Torino one. I know one of the ones afterwards they did. It might have actually been yeah. biathlon. No, I think they had biathlon and cross country skiing. I definitely know there was one in the last ten or so years that had both them in it. So track that down. I think it might have been Gee, Torino. It would have been hard memory. to make that in. Yeah, it would have been hard to make that interesting. I can do that. <laughs> <laughs> they try their best. I like it in the, the Olympic video games when they yeah, they try and bring in you. You know, you've always got your typical button bashers, but then they always try to, like... I think in one of the summer oh, games, they brought in, like, equestrian. And you're like, really? Like, as long as it doesn't have dressage in it, I'm fine. Um, but, yeah. yeah. <laughs> don't know how that works. Uh, show jumping or whatever. Yeah, well, exactly, exactly. What is your biggest fear in life? Biggest fear in life? Um, oh, look... Probably losing the ones closest to me, I guess. Okay. That's my biggest fear, yeah. Yep. That works. Yeah. That works. Final question here for you today, uh, Callum Watson. What is one thing that you can't live without? Oh, I'm going to have to send my girlfriend. Oh, yeah, I was going to say uh, you have to, don't you? Like, if she's listening and you don't answer that. Uh, big one. <laughs> <laughs> that's the, uh, the, the, nah, the that's, safe answer. That's it. That's the only answer for that one. Yeah, yeah, true, true. Oh, oh, isn't it sweet? There you go. Uh, Callum, I'm seriously looking forward to uh, to seeing how everything plays out between now and Pyeongchang. We're definitely going to be keeping an eye on how you you go in the lead-up to it, and obviously, fingers and toes crossed that everything works out for you there. And uh, it's been a lot of fun talking to you today. We look forward to the Nordic Combined uh, Athlete Program starting here in Australia very, very soon. And uh, we'll, we'll definitely get you back on the show post-Pyeongchang to, uh, to chat about your experience next year in the games absolutely sounds great thank you so much for having me it was it was uh it was a lot of fun Great, great chat, Callum, a fantastic guy, and we're definitely looking forward to seeing how he goes in Pyeongchang next year, and uh, definitely considering uh, that injury that he had uh, to, to bounce back from that, 
and move forward to his second games. Uh, we're, we're very much uh, hoping he does well, and we will be keeping a close eye on him during those games next year. We have more of these athlete interviews coming your way. You would have obviously heard the ones we've had recently, and, of course, Colin bringing us the Canadian angle as well. We always do like to uh, put it out there if you want us to uh, track down anybody in particular that you maybe want to hear from. Uh, there's a, a particular athlete you want to hear from or that you've never heard from in a while, then uh, please shoot us a message on our Facebook page, Off the Podium Podcast, and we'll see what we can do. Uh, if you're Hal Nadal, we, uh, we definitely want to hear from you in terms of uh, Nordic Combined. This is going to be a thing, people. This is definitely going to be a thing. Australia, Nordic Combined, we're going to start off this program and we're going to make us the world leaders in the great sport of Nordic Combined. Subscribe to us on iTunes. Easiest way to get these episodes direct to your device. Of course, we are also available on Stitcher. And while you're there subscribing to us, you can rate us, you can leave us feedback. We always do appreciate hearing what you're thinking of the show. Thanks once again to Callum. We'll be back very soon for another episode here on Off the Podium. Thank you for your time, and we'll speak to you very soon. Whoop, 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 whoop